This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 132, Stop Holding Yourself Back, with Dorley Weiniger. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit. What's up? What's up, everyone? What's up with you? <laughs> Nothing. I am just having a really good week. Good. How and about you? know you? what? You may not be having a good week, but you can think you're having a good week because you're choosing the thoughts about having a good week. And remember, if you're not, someone is, so good weeks are out there. You can have a good week. <laughs> good weeks are out there. And you know what I have in mind is um, last week's episode 131 about healing your body with your thoughts. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, when you say that, I'm like, well, maybe it was a good week or maybe you were choosing the thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. That's totally. in my head a lot. Well, I'll tell you what's really in my head at this moment is Dorley and this message that um, we're about to share with you, this conversation that we've had with her. You know, back how sometimes when we record, we you, you feel that like that feeling of there is someone very specifically who needed to hear that thing that was just said. You know that feeling what totally. I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I was listening back to this conversation and I had several moments where I was like, oh my gosh, that very thing that Dorley just said or that you just said, that that thing is going to just ping someone's heart mm-hmm. in that moment. And so I'm telling you the feeling I have for this particular storytelling experience sharing that Dorley does is really going to be particularly meaningful for a lot of our listeners. And I'm just so happy about that. That's very, very exciting. It's so good. She is so good. And we're excited to share this with you because the title is about not holding yourself back because I think we all do that to an extent. We do touch on imposter syndrome. We we touch on um, not prohibiting yourself from feeling joy Mm -hmm. and all of those things, because we all do have those tendencies, some more than others. Right. But do you relate to that in any way? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that delayed gratification or the I'll be happy when is probably something we all deal with. And Mm -hmm. when I'm coaching people, I always tell them the goal is never to like eradicate your need for human thoughts. Like we all have those human thoughts. The question is, what are we doing with it? Are we allowing it to hold us back? Or are we knowing the role that it plays in our life, what it teaches us, and using it to propel us forward? Exactly. And so often, we are the ones that hold ourselves back. We may blame it on our body or our finances Mm -hmm. or having, I'm going to say having our kids at home because that's the the label (laughs) I've been putting on things holding me back um, in, in some areas. But really, it's not. None of those things are holding you back. And so the let's, truth of let's it get is, real straight about that. That's right. And the truth of it is that we will all feel some of those limitations at some extent at some point, if not being riddled by it all the time. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you are in your life, we believe that this episode is for you. You're going to love it. Okay, I have a quick review to share. Okay, are you let's ready hear for it. this? Oh, so sweet. It's from Jane O. 8760. And remember, if that's you, my friend, you need to send me a DM because on Instagram, because we got to send you some happy mail. This is what she said. The recent episode about goal setting, it was so good and spoke to me so much. I actually listened twice. 
I never listen to anything twice. Listening to the Beckys is like food for my soul lately. I have been listening since the beginning and thought at first it wasn't for me, but I kept listening. I may pick and choose which episodes I am interested in, but when I do pick one, it doesn't disappoint. I love listening to them talk. I know a lot of people say this, but I feel like I am in the room with them. People, if you want to find peace, clarity, joy, and anything else you are in need of, this is the place to be. <gasps> I know. I love that. That what? is amazing. In the kindness. Thank you, Jane. That means so, that so much. That was lovely. We love it. All right, you guys, let's move forward, but not without a quick word from this week's sponsor. You're listening to this podcast because you believe in progressing as a person and making continual learning a way of life. That is why you're our people. Mm -hmm. Aside from these weekly episodes, we want to be sure that you know about one of the best resources in your personal quest to cultivate a good life that will guide you in actually literally being the author of your own story. The BH Classroom has been a valuable resource for thousands of students around the world for several years, and now... These courses have become even more accessible to even more people, including you. Our courses are now offered in much smaller, much more palatable mini courses, which also means much more affordable prices. The feedback we're getting on this shift has been remarkable and quite exciting. It's one thing to enjoy the content. It's another to take action. And that's what we're hearing on repeat right now. We're hearing about the epiphanies and the action taken and the success stories. We invite you to have experiences like this. Start today. Start with Documenting 101, which is just 45 minutes shorter than an episode of your favorite Netflix series. And you too will feel personally empowered in your own documenting. Whether you're seasoned or just getting started, you can trust us to guide you along. Learn more at classroom.beckyhiggins.com. To say that this guest has been a long time in the making isn't the understatement of the century. In fact, Don't pretend like we're not giggling over here. Okay. <laughs> that was such a serious story. Rebecca start. <laughs> has the giggles. I'm, I'm just, I don't have the giggles. I'm so happy that Doily's here. Yes. There, I said it. Aww. I'm just so Because excited. when we sat down like day one of, okay, should we start a podcast and who should we interview? Doily was on that list yeah. and she lives in Arizona. It's just taken a long time to have all the pieces align correctly. And I think sometimes that's also a lesson of like, settle down, mm-hmm. <laughs> really a lesson for me. Settle down, settle like down. things will happen as they need to. And yes. I'm so excited with what Dorley's about to share with you because it is the right time. And I think um, Dorley is an incredible person, but also her message is extremely impactful. Very important for right now. Welcome Dorley. Thank you. Officially. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm so formal. humbled. <laughs> I'm so humbled by the introduction and Totally feel like our topic, like I don't deserve it, but I'm very grateful. So thank you very well, much. Well, the irony, yeah. and you even make <laughs> I was that comment. Say. Like, I'm going to not reach across the table and hit you across the head for that comment because you know better than to say something yes, like that. Yes, I know, I know. But I love that that is why you're here because we're going to be talking about that. Before we get into that topic that so, so many of our listeners are definitely going to relate to, um, introduce yourself, Dorley. Okay. So I'm Dorley. Um, I was born in the Dominican Republic. And I, I love to say that because I, I love to be true to my heritage as much as I can. Love that so um, much. Yeah. So I was born in the Dominican Republic. I am the 
last of three. And my parents were baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when my mom was pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. So she's always said I've been a little bit more good because I was <laughs> baptized twice. And yeah. so that was that's like our little dumb that's inside cute. joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so when my parents were baptized as members of the church, they felt like they wanted to establish themselves more in the United States to be more active in the church and to give us a better opportunity to be educated and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So when I was around two years old, they moved to New York City, which we always joke, Dominicans always end up in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of like Florida, where Cubans yeah. end up more. Uh -huh. um, so I grew up in New York City, which... If you know about New York, there's like Chinatown, Little Italy, Harlem, and those are all clustered by nationalities and cultures and stuff. And so I grew up in Washington Heights, mm -hmm. which is upper Manhattan. Um, like I grew up on 173rd Street and it's all Dominicans and Puerto Ricans. Mm -hmm. um, so my parents never learned English. Um, my dad taught himself in a self-help in a self course that you could mm -hmm, take mm -hmm. at home, which I was always impressed that he did. Yeah. Um, my mom was a stay at home mom and she was always there for us. Um, I, I remember her working here and there vaguely, but 99% of my memories are her being at home, which mm -hmm. I always loved. Oh yeah. Um, I remember what, if I had anything at school that I needed her, she was there. And I do remember her being like a lunch lady, um, but so that she could be there, mm, but yeah, but she, anything that she did to be there for us. Um, I went to Catholic school, even though I was a member of the church, I went to Catholic school from first grade to 12th grade. And that was to save me from myself <laughs> and, yeah. and living in New York city, uh, public school education, though a lot of it is great. A lot of it is not. And my parents just wanted to keep me for lack of a better word, in the bubble of protecting me mm -hmm. from the dangers that were in growing up in such a dangerous city. Sure, um, yeah. But, which is funny because I could take the train in New York City at midnight and feel completely safe. Mm. But when I run in the farms of the suburbs, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder. Wow. <laughs> and so it's just mm. interesting, the, the dynamics. Um, I had excellent leaders when I was growing up in the church that... Um, I know one of my leaders when I was about 16, 17, she saw a huge potential in me and said, I need you to come out West with me for the summer just so that I can show you what, what opportunities there are for you. Like there's more mm. than just what's here in the city, mm. which a lot of people say New York city as this city of opportunity, mm -hmm. but if you don't ever leave the city, you really don't see what's out there. Like my parents never went west of the Mississippi until my firstborn was my first son was born mm -hmm. because they just thought like everything is involved in the tri-state area. Right. And you don't ever need to leave it. Yeah. Sure. And so my um, she was my young woman's stake president. So she was over all of us. She took me out west for the summer. And I did a week-long program at BYU for minorities. And again, it was another way for them to get diversity and to, to show us what mm -hmm. opportunities were available for inner-city kids. And I absolutely loved it. Mm. Um, but the way that I grew up in our culture was you only left the house if you were married. And that was like old-school Latin mm, culture. Right? 
Right. And so that was my sister's case. When okay. she was eight, 19, 18, she was married. When it was my turn, my parents were like, well, you're not leaving. <laughs> like, where do you think you're going? Right. You're not married. Right. You can't just go out into the world. Hmm. I never brought a boyfriend home, which caused a lot of strife because I did sneak around and have a boyfriend. And mm-hmm. I won't lie about that. And um, But it's just my parents' like mentality. Like, the more boyfriends you bring home, the worse that looks. Mm-hmm. And so I was never allowed to date. Um, it's just that culture, that Latin culture of just being very conservative and stuff back in the day. Um, but my young women's president and all all other leaders I had just went to my parents and said, I promise she will have a great opportunity if you let her go to BYU. Mm. I like, don't make her get married to leave the house. Like let her go and see right. what's out there for her. They were inspired to, to mm-hmm. persuade your parents in that yes. making. Because that, that's hard culturally to have such a shift from what you have always been used to. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm-hmm. I can totally feel your parents like struggle with that. So yeah. thank goodness for other people in your sphere of influence um, mm-hmm. who could also have that influence with your parents. Totally, yeah. yeah. And I mean, what trouble was I going to get into at BYU? But you can. Right. Of course. But to them, it was like the Mecca, right? Like, right. And yeah. I had gotten scholarships to SUNY schools, to schools in the New York State. Um, but then I got a scholarship. Just to be clear, yeah. what SUNY schools did you have scholarships at? Um, like Albany and Syracuse. Do you realize we could have gone to college <laughs> together? Because I went to a SUNY, univer- a New York State University. Yes, I know. Like we our could stories, have been college like, roommates, Dorley. I know. Our stories collide so much. Yes, I don't I know how that. we never met each other. I yeah. know. But then I did get a scholarship to BYU for my grades and because I was a minority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that helped. Mm-hmm. So I went to BYU. Um, I I studied speech language pathology, but I didn't um, graduate, and that we'll talk about that later. But um, I met my husband when I was a sophomore, and he was a senior, and he was going to start medical school. And the school that he went to, which is here in Glendale, Midwestern, he couldn't work at the same time as go to school. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out of school mm-hmm. and worked. I worked at Nordstrom. I used to be a makeup artist, Hmm. which is so funny because now I'm like the most minimal makeup ever. (laughs) Just give me my mascara and my blush and I'm good to go. And you're stunning. That's all you you don't even need anything. (laughs) I mean, no woman needs anything. Let's be clear. But it's so nice when you feel Mm -hmm. put together and for you to get away with just blush and mascara. That's all I want. And maybe on Sundays I'll add like liquid eyeshadow and then I'm Animal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a savage. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, but then I needed, uh, I want wanted to start a family even though he was in medical school and I needed a nine-to-five job Mm -hmm. and so one of my friends helped me get a job at a bank which was so fun I went from being a teller to an assistant manager Mm -hmm. which was rewarding for me being uneducated or not having gone to finish some college you were very educated by the way I was you're right but on paper you're saying you didn't finish the degree that you had aspired to and so yeah yeah, you were very educated yes I Yeah. yeah Totally. You're absolutely might, right. I'm going to yeah. hold back from correcting you on some of these. I know. I know. You're going to get some Higgins life coaching here. I know. Yes. So, so you had this great experience. It was super positive mm-hmm. for you to be able to have that, that kind of position in the bank, in the mm-hmm. banking arena, and did some great progress in that space too. Yes. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. I had mm-hmm. my first son, um, Kevin. Um, we call him Joey because he's a junior. And he was a ver- All my children are hard pregnancies. Mm. And so I had to be on bed rest. I miscarried a couple times or not a couple, five times. Oh. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to laugh to make it light, but I've come to terms with it and I've accepted it as part of my story mm. and part of what the Lord had, um, in store for me. And it's okay. 
Um, and uh, let's see. So when, oh, and part of that, Kevin also joined, my husband Kevin joined the military to pay for medical school. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he is another whole person you should have on the podcast. He's the most humblest person, mm-hmm. but he is everyone's favorite. Mm-hmm. I always <laughs> He's pretty him. awesome. He is so funny. He's, he acts shy, but once you break that, um, mm-hmm. break the ice. He's just incredible. And anytime I post about him on stories or Instagram, he gets the most likes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He totally does. <laughs> and I tease him about that all the time. I'm like, I need you more on my feed so that I can up my growth. <laughs> yeah. And so he's just, well, great. and you're just such a dynamic together. <laughs> yeah. I you. love Dorley and Kevin together. I mm-hmm. love your marriage. Mm-hmm. I love what you guys stand for together. The way that you're raising your children is beautiful. Thank yeah. you. Um, so I, and I, by the way, I think that's what people are liking so much about when Kevin shows up. I think it's, I mean, I, I love you, Kevin. It's not, but it's not about you. <laughs> I think it's about you guys together and that mm-hmm. marriage and that dynamic and that, that, um, togetherness. People want that. They love it. They celebrate it. Mm-hmm. They yearn for it. And so good. Yes. Yeah. More yeah. of that. Thank you. Yeah. So part of his medical school journey was joining the military and that's what paid for medical school. And he's one thing that's so great about him is he's paid his way the whole, mm-hmm. the whole, his whole life. Even when, when he got a license, he couldn't get a car until he could get a job to pay for insurance. Like he's right. always had to pay for everything. And so I love how responsible he is. So he joined the military. We lived a year in Maryland where our other daughter was born. Then we did six months in Florida, where he learned to be a flight surgeon, which sounds super sexy and amazing, (laughs) but he's like worst case scenario pilot Mm -hmm. is what he learned to Mm -hmm. be in Florida. Like Mm -hmm. if everybody's dead and nobody else can fly, like Kevin to the rescue, but you don't want him to. Yeah. He has his wings, (laughs) but then he also learned the anatomy of a pilot, like in the air and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so that he can be a better Mm -hmm. doctor. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. Uh, We lived in Yuma, Arizona for three years and that was at that point we kind of put medical medical career aside and it's almost like doing a mission in the middle of college he had to he worked mm-hmm. with the marines for 3 years and he was their their doctor wherever the marines went he went mm-hmm. he served a tour in japan and two tours in afghanistan one of the tours my youngest daughter alyssa was born and that was interesting. Her name is Alyssa Grace because her pregnancy brought me so much peace whenever. Mm-hmm. I mean, my husband's in Afghanistan. A week after she was born, they suffered an attack where his commander was unfortunately killed. Oh, wow. And here I am with a seven-day newborn making sure my husband is safe and alive and his, his partners and the fellow Marines are safe. And that was just so her name is Grace because she brought me a lot of peace during mm-hmm. that time. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then um, after the, our time in Yuma, we moved to Maryland um, and living. That was one of our biggest trials there. Um, when I went through an incredible process of repentance that brought our family together. And then after that, we moved to Frederick, which is where I met Ke- uh, Becky's parents, mm-hmm. Vicky. Such a fun, oh small my gosh, world. I love them yeah. so much. I love them too. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And then now we're here, and he's done with residency, and he works at the hospitals, the local hospitals, and so... Mm-hmm. Here we are. Oh that was a long goodness. story, but we're that. so glad you guys are in Arizona. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so. I love the story. I love that you kind of brought us around to that whole journey of where you guys have been and why you were there. And so outside of um, being a wife and a mom, you also <clears throat> did some work and tell us a little about that. Yeah. So obviously my children have always been my priority, but 
being in medical school and residency, you just, you think of, oh, Dorley's husband's a doctor. She's a kept wife. Well, Mm -hmm. it took us 18 years to get there. And in the meantime, it was only one income and raising babies and not being able to work or me on bed rest and Mm -hmm. um, qualifying too much to not get government help but not enough to be able to make up to pay your bills, you right. know? And yeah. so, um, I did direct sales, like I did Sensi and other things like that. I remember in Maryland, I babysat kids to make ends meet. Um, and then just recently, the last four or five years I've been doing photography, which is how I know Becky is mm-hmm. my love of documenting. I've been a documenter or, you know, since I was 16, my my young women's project was my scrapbook. Mm. And so I've just loved scrapbooking. And I was, it was when I went, when I became a part of your creative team was at the end of my repentance process. So it was almost like a tender mercy that I, I was, I was okay to be happy and do the things that I love, which Mm -hmm. you don't know that part, but Mm -hmm. it was a tender mercy when I got that email from Molly because it was one of the validating Mm -hmm. moments in my life. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And so I've been a photographer for the last five years. It doesn't pay the bills. Um, It pays for my equipment. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, But I just love it. I Last year, I photographed a family of 20. Mm. Beautiful family. They came in looking like a J. Crew catalog. I couldn't have asked for more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Beautiful desert landscape. And a few months later, I found out that one of the family members had passed and they Mm. were going to use my images in her program. And I was like, this is why I do what I do. That's right. Um, So that she can have these, this mother can have these images of her daughter. And every time her anniversary comes up, those images come up. Mm -hmm. And it's not a toot to my own horn. I'm just so grateful that they they have Mm -hmm. beautifully edited images of their daughter to remember her by. And so that's why I do what I do. And that is what it's about. Mm -hmm. And I will toot your horn for you (laughs) and tell you, for those of you who aren't already familiar with her photography, she's not just another photographer. Dorley has a gift. And whether or not she's still figuring that out, she legitimately has a gift. And her photography is such a gift for anyone. And both of us Mm -hmm. are signed up to have her (laughs) finally once and for all take our family pictures this this year. you, you. you You really do have an eye for that. And not everybody does. And everybody takes pictures, but there's something special about that, that talent that you have. And we're so grateful that you share it. And I'm glad that you spoke to the reason why you do it, because even if it's not paying the bills, we all need to do something that is satisfying, that is personally fulfilling and Mm -hmm. you're evidence of that through that work. Yeah. Thanks. So thank you. All right. So what, um, you've prepared some thoughts to share with us and I don't think that it's any accident that it's taken us this long to have you, to have the stars aligned for you to be on the podcast, because I don't think the time was right before. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as if you've had to experience some things to strengthen your and fortify your thoughts on what we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. So what would you like to share today, Dorley? Um, well, I'm going to be an emotional mess, so I'm sorry if I cry, but, um, so one of the things that I said earlier was I had gone through a process of repentance when I lived in Maryland. And that was a very pivotal point in my life. It was, um, I almost lived that life like I, I'm, like I was the protagonist and I was on the outside living it. Mm-hmm. I had, um, I'm so sorry. No, this <laughs> is great. What? About so having a heart. This is the beautiful part about the podcast though, is it gives people a chance. We find so much 
in other people's stories. And Dorley, it was you that shared the quote with both Becky and I that like your struggle becomes someone else's survival guide. And so hearing and feeling emotion, like we should never apologize for that because there are so many people out there right now in the same place that are just so relieved that they're, that they're not catastrophically flawed, that there's nothing wrong with them. And that this is kind of that, that struggle and that especially identity struggle is Mm -hmm. such a bizarre yet unifying kind of thing that unifies us all. Mm -hmm. So we stand there as an Island thinking no one else feels this way, but if someone will just open their mouth, it takes it from such an isolating experience to one that actually forges connection. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of the magic of vulnerability. So don't you apologize for one minute. Yeah. I guess I just feel bad talking about it because you know through social media and the four inch squares and just what people know about you Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be this great person that people can look up to and you're such a good friend and but to know that there's people out there in the world that I've hurt or that there's reasons for me to have to say I'm sorry like really hurts me and I I feel regret and sadness over it even after all these years anyhow so I went through a hard process of repentance where I had to ask forgiveness for my husband and my peers and really humble myself and figure out what I wanted in my life. When I think about that time in my life, I ask myself, why did I make those choices? And I have no idea why I made those choices. My marriage was great. Everything else was wonderful. I don't know why I had to make those choices other than I had to experience what I Mm -hmm. experienced at the time. And so... Um, I turned to the scriptures a lot. I, I lost friends. I didn't have motivation to work out. And the only thing that I knew that was constant and true was the scriptures, my ecclesiastical leaders, like my bishop and my husband. And so those were the three constant things in my life. My children knew that I was repenting and that I was changing my life, but they didn't know why. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. as well as lots of my close friends don't know why. My only mother doesn't even know mm-hmm. why. And I'm okay with that. There's lots of warriors and prophets in the scriptures that have repented of their sins, and we have no idea what they did. Exactly. And it, Do you know why we don't know? <laughs> we because don't know. that's not the part it's of irrelevant. the story that matters. No. Yeah. And I think the message behind that is no matter what anyone feels like they've done, no matter how far gone they feel or you know, whatever your circumstances, we don't focus on the sin because truly it does not matter. Mm -hmm. Like that is the miracle of Jesus Christ is none of that matters. What matters is the story of repentance. What matters, which we know means turning again to God, right? Like that is the part of the story that matters Sure. because when you're Mm -hmm. forgiven of your sins, they say heavenly father doesn't even remember it, right? Like it's, it's so far removed. And I think it's important to note too, that that is not who you are. Like your actions or mistakes are not who you are. That's Mm -hmm. right. And so returning again to yourself, that is the journey we focus on Mm -hmm. for a very intentional reason of it does not matter. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can tell someone about the nuts and bolts of why you're repenting that is going to make that story any more impactful. That's right. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad you said that Heavenly Father forgets that because Kevin, my husband reminds me that all the time. I'm sure mm-hmm. he's he like, why are you still beating yourself right. up? The Lord has forgiven you. I've forgiven you. We've forgotten about it. Like, but I think at times I need to remind myself just to humble myself, mm-hmm. um, just to, not to relive it, but just to remember like you are a beggar and that's okay. And you need to be humble and, you can still strive and be a light and inspire others, but just remember to just take it down a notch. Yes. <laughs> and so that's why I feel like sometimes I relive it just to because I feel myself like mm. rising up too proudly. And then I'm like, okay, you need to bring it down a notch. Interesting. <laughs> if that so makes sense. I mean, that's how my mind yeah. analyzes mm-hmm. it. So mm. um, I remember um, 
even after my repentance process was finished, um, that was in January, I was, it was a hard time again because Kevin, I finished my repentance and then Kevin deploys, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he gets called to Afghanistan. So here is my security blanket gone. And I'm in the midst of people that don't understand what I went through or people that have no longer been my friend. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And mm -hmm. then I also had a miscarriage at that time when he deployed. He actually came back home to be with me and take care of me. And then he went back. Mm -hmm. And so I, one pivotal experience was I was going to start a 10-mile run the, on a Saturday morning because I was back up to running and I was mentally healthy enough to do the things that I once loved. Mm -hmm. And I remember that Friday night before the run, I just, I was discouraged by his deployment. I was discouraged by the judgments. I was discouraged by my miscarriage. And I just needed motivation. And I remember finishing my prayer as distraught as I started. I mm -hmm. couldn't find any motivation at all. So the next morning I, I woke up for my run and I was listening to my scriptures because I do that often. I, mm -hmm. read, I listen to my scriptures for 15 minutes and then I put on music because after that I need cadence mm -hmm. to yeah. keep me running, yeah, sure. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I'm going to read a little bit of my thoughts because I don't want to say it wrong. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. But I was on Mosiah chapter 4, which is in the Book of Mormon. And um, verse 2 spoke of mercy and how... I so badly wanted to apply the atoning blood of Christ and receive forgiveness. And verse 3 reminded me of the joy I had felt when I had received the remission of my sins. Verses 6 to 7, 11 through 15 reminded me that if I knew the goodness of God, I just needed to trust in Him and be diligent. I needed to have a sincere heart and believe all these things. Verse 19 reminded me that we were all beggars seeking for God's approval. But it was verse 20 that struck me the most. And behold, even at this time, you have been calling on his name and begging for a remission of your sins. And has he suffered that ye have begged in vain? Nay, he has poured out his spirit upon you and caused that your hearts should be filled with joy and caused that your mouths should be stopped, that ye could not find utterance. So exceedingly great was your joy. And that stuck out to me so much because when I received a, re a forgiveness for my sins, I took a selfie. As the documenter mm -hmm. that I am, there I can go. still pull it up. Mm -hmm. That day, I took a picture of myself, and I was like, this was the day that I can start new. And I can feel that forgiveness. I knew that the Lord loved me. I knew that my husband loved me. But I kept beating myself up. Mm -hmm. And just like the scriptures say, I, have, I, I never begged in vain. Never, Even though the night before, I didn't have an answer to my prayers, I got it just the next day, less mm -hmm. than 24 hours later. I've never begged in vain, but constantly I questioned my forgiveness and constantly I questioned myself and my worth and all my feelings. And why was I still doing that? Why was mm -hmm. I still questioning something that I already knew? Why was I, why am I still beating myself up? This was in 2017. Right. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still beat myself up, like I said earlier, just to keep me humble, to show the Lord that I am grateful and that I acknowledge that he has forgiven me. Yeah. But then there's a side of me that is ready to let my light shine. Yeah. There's a side of me that wants to write a book, not necessarily about that, but just of my story because there's so mm -hmm. many more details. There's a side of me that just wants to share so much more. But then there comes the adversary where it says, mm -hmm. nope, you have to remember you sinned in mm -hmm. 2016. You broke all these hearts. You did all these wrong things. You are not allowed. Mm -hmm. And so then that's when I get in my head mm -hmm. and I think, 
nope, I'm not allowed. Here's one truth I've learned about Satan. And I think it's so easy. We need to just break it down to simplicity because I've realized that the gospel, God, Christ, very, very simple doctrine where it starts to get really intellectual, where it starts to get really diluted and really complicated that's like Satan trying to twist, right? Like mm-hmm. truth is not a difficult concept to understand because we are literally wired. Our DNA is wired to recognize and to accept eternal truth, right? And so this is what I like to tell tell people is if you're having an emotion that makes you feel diminished, that makes you feel hopeless, that makes you discouraged, 100% Satan. We know that fear does not come from God. We know the hopelessness does not come from God. And we probably all can relate to being chastised or being humbly taught of how we needed to course correct. And it doesn't make us feel hopeless. It makes us feel hopeful. Mm -hmm. And that is the loving correction of God. If it's coming from another place, like that is 100% Satan. And the reason he does that, Dorley, like you just articulated exactly why he does it. Because you have all this light and truth to share inside of you. And so Satan's going to do everything he can to make you feel small, to make you feel diminished, and to make you feel like you have no right to stand and bear truth of anything, Mm -hmm. to bear witness, right? And when we do that, we shut down. We shut our mouths. We start to like retreat inward, which we know is not God's plan for us. And so it really is as simple as that. Mm -hmm. You need to just look at Satan and be like, no, I'm not going to shut my mouth. I am not going to damper my light to make you or anyone else more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I can't do that because that is how much I love myself. And I think that that notion of loving yourself, like God wants us to see and trust ourselves so much that we don't let discouragement, that we don't let these thoughts that we all have, like it is so scary and so hard to work through this, but like that literally is the fight against good versus evil. Mm-hmm. Well, and I used to be a person where, I've had friends who told me, you'll never understand mental health because you're always so happy. You're Mm. always so optimistic. Mm -hmm. You're never going to understand it. And they were right at that time. I didn't understand it. I would say, well, just go run. Just be happy. Why can't you just be happy? Mm. Or or sometimes I'm going to insert too to like give you a, we even say, go pray, go read the scriptures. We put a lot of these action with it or what works for us. Right you know, and kind of prescribe that for other people, which may or may not be their solution. Mm -hmm. And after this experience and many others, I've truly understood it because I went through a lot of depression. I go through a lot of anxiety when trigger points come up. Um, And so now I I understand it a whole lot more than I did four Mm -hmm. years ago. Not 100% because I'm still, it's still like, it's still... I'm still learning about it for myself, so I don't Mm -hmm. know about it for other people. Um, But that's how the adversary is getting to me now. It's not drugs or alcohol. It's not pornography. It's not something tangible. It's my mental health. It's playing those mind games that I'm not worthy, that I'm a fraud, um, that I do not have a light to shine, that I'm an annoyer, a disturber. Um, that's how he's messing with my head right now. Mm. And I have to admit that I he's have so allowed him. I know. But the thing is, <laughs> is you, you acknowledge it. And, and that, that is to me, one of the key things about this totally is it's one thing to be unaware, right? That's a whole other set of, I don't even know how to address that. But if you, if you have an understanding and a level of faith as we do and understanding the role of opposition in our life, then even if you struggle with it, like that's what we're talking about today, you at least have an acknowledgement of 
Satan's role in this mm-hmm. and the role right. of opposition. The, the role, exactly. The role of opposition and the role of understanding that there is opposition in everything. And we're all going to struggle and have those weak spots for in different ways for you what you're doing is identifying that he's messing with your sense of self. He's messing with your sense of identity, mm-hmm. but you know it. Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to speak more to that, but that's, that is part of it right there is just acknowledging that you understand that that is something you're struggling with, but well, and calling it out why. by name. That's we, right. We shy away from like, don't want to give attention to the adversary, but let's give him the attention he doesn't want. Let's say that is not me because what happens if we don't is it becomes like, this is all inside of me. Like, right. This darkness is coming from inside of me, but really it's It's this simple. The parts of God that exist inside of all of us, that light and truth comes from inside of us. That is an internal force, right? The darkness the distress, like all that stuff, that force is not from inside of us. That force is from outside of us. But if we don't call it out by name, we tend to internalize it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is another piece of me or this is, and then it becomes this wrestle, right? So let's just all identify that like goodness comes from inside, darkness comes from outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Theodor F. Uchtdorf in his talk, Hear the Music that he gave to BYU said, we call this change repentance. However, dwelling too much on your mistakes leads to shame, which discourages you from striving to improve. True repentance is not about shame. It's about becoming. Mm. Totally. Yeah. And I feel that I am becoming, but then I feel that I shame myself very often. So, Do you know how you come to a really sure sense of your identity and your worth? By feeling like crap, that you're worthless. Yeah. Like this process that you're kind of in and in, in talking about right now is literally the process to become, or I like to say, remember to be, to come into alignment with our eternal selves, with our worth. If you never questioned your worth, you could never speak with a sure testimony of your worth. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so we gain these things through this forced opposition, through having to seek and search and understand mm-hmm. Like, this is the path to become. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry again to go back to the scriptures, but... Um, what are don't we sorry? Ever I know. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I need to read more books, but sometimes I only have space for my scriptures. Right. And so I'm like, this is all I have space for right now. So I turn to them very often. I'm so glad. And so there is a, a prophet in the scriptures, and his name was Ammon, and he was part of another prophet that I emulate incredibly because he too went through an incredible process of repentance and that's Alma the Younger and when they meet they all go on their missions and when they meet up again Ammon is so excited um, to see his brothers or his friends you know and he's rejoicing and he's and then one of his brothers almost says like hey you need to calm down you're boasting mm-hmm. kind of like I said earlier mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. needed to be brought down a notch take it down a notch yeah mm-hmm. take it down yeah. a notch Ammon you're too excited and he's <laughs> like I'm not boasting I'm just so happy because of all the great joy that we've had mm-hmm. and he says in a verse in Amma 27 he says behold this joy this is joy which none receiveth, save it be the truly penitent and humble seeker of happiness. Mm. And I read that scripture, and every time I want to slap the table and say, this is me. Mm-hmm. I am. I know that I have so much more to repent on. My journey is by far not over. I will probably leave this podcast and make another mistake that I need to be sorry for. As that's will we okay. all. Yeah. Uh, As will we all. Yeah. Literally what being human is. Right. right. But mm-hmm. I, I am the humble seeker of happiness. I don't know what I'm doing. Every day I'm learning by, through a podcast, through the scriptures, through my husband, through my ecclesiastical leaders. 
but I, I want to shout that out. I want to shout out how happy the gospel has made me or how happy certain experiences have made me because I've overcome them. Mm-hmm. I think another tool Satan uses against us, and you've kind of brought this word up, humility, pridefulness, boasting. We've kind of touched on that a few times in this episode. But I think that, you know, Satan is a master of half-truth, right? So he takes the truth, distorts it a little to make it work towards his purposes. This notion of being prideful, like I hear this a lot. There is very few things on the earth people want to be related with less than being prideful. Like no one wants to be prideful, right? And we hear about it a lot in the scriptures, but I really think you need to take a step back and identify what pride means, right? Because pride means taking, taking, not taking ownership, taking credit for all the good in your life. So saying all the things and then not giving credit to God. It's that very simple switch. And so when we can rise up in joy and truth, like you were saying, take the light that we have, share it openly, like, we're glorifying God by doing that. And that is not pride. That is truly understanding and loving yourself, knowing your divine potential, knowing your inherent worth. That is godly. I don't think there's anything more godly or, or more, you know, and we're all moms here. What do you want more than anything for your mm-hmm. kids to know? Their divine identity, right? Mm-hmm. Who they are, how amazing they are. Mm-hmm. And when I hear my kids trying to like tone it down because they don't want to be seen as boastful, which one of my kids does a lot, I'm constantly like, you need to stop. You don't need to temper yourself down for fear that you're going to be prideful. Because when God is in the equation, it's never pride. It's love. I love that. But it's it's such a... And it's also a form of gratitude to acknowledge that. And gratitude is everything. Um, How then, Dorley, how have you worked toward overcoming this thing that this theme that keeps reoccurring for you, this theme of imposter syndrome and I'm not worthy and I might there, maybe there isn't a light inside. Mm -hmm. What have you been doing to help yourself? Can I actually, I want to ask you one thing before you get to that. Can you give us an articulation of what that negative thought process in your head sounds like? Like, can you give words to like, like imposter syndrome? Yeah, like just okay. the thoughts. Like what are those dirty thoughts we have in our head? Because I just want to validate people out there who are having these same mm-hmm. thoughts. Mm-hmm. So Sometimes we need to hear someone else say it out loud mm-hmm. to understand what it is we're actually thinking. Yeah, cool. So like when I want to share my light, my imposter syndrome comes in as you are not worthy to share light. You're a sinner. You don't have enough light to share or you've hurt other people. And if I was, I'm going to say social media, it's not the only platform to share light by right. far. Um, you can make an impact person to person. But I, I, get, I fear that if I was to share something, a light in social media where it's so public that somebody will comment and say, hey, but don't you remember what you did a few years ago? Mm-hmm. What gives you the right to mm-hmm. tell us to go follow Jesus? So mm-hmm. if I was, let's reverse roles. So there's a lot to my past, right? Mm-hmm. I share openly. If if I called you one day, which I totally would, and said, Dorley, you're never going to believe what this awful person just said to me online, what would you tell me? Don't listen to them. <laughs> I know. Right? Like I would say it's not true. And you're wonderful and you're great. And yeah, totally. I understand what yeah. you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is another, I will go back a little bit to the scriptures again, because when Alma the Younger, who had an incredible story of repentance, mm-hmm. when he passed away, not once was it mentioned that he was a sinner. Mm-hmm. Not once. It was just said that he was one of the greatest prophets of all time, and he brought so many people to Christ. It was this beautiful eulogy 
that was written about him in the scriptures. Not once did he say that. He literally went around persecuting members of the church. That was his history. But when he passed, that was not said at all. And I want that. You know, Mm -hmm. I I hope for that for all of us, for everyone. But I fear the opposite. Well, mm. because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when the naysayers, which there will always be always. naysayers in opposition, mm-hmm. always and forever. Um, and I would encourage anyone out there listening, if you've been tempted to judge or tempted to reach out or say something unkind, like recognize that you're aiding that work of making someone feel diminished. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we, we go down that road for the sake of justice or whatever. It's not a good road. It's not a good road for the people you're doing it to. And it is certainly not a good road for you. Um, one of the things about Alma the Younger that's so profound, though, is that he could bear repen- he could bear testimony of repentance of change, only because he had gone through it. Mm-hmm. And so it's that whole thing of like making your mess your message. Like life is messy; we're not perfect, but also like starting to think of sin as like literally our classroom for learning about Christ. Mm-hmm. Without sin, without mistake, there is no Christ. There's no need for Christ. Totally. And yeah. so that's when I think of Alma the Younger, his story of repentance makes me say, no matter where I think I'm at, it's never hopeless. Mm-hmm. Because he can go from such a dark place to being such a profound influence for good, mm-hmm. as can we all. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if we had like not listened to Alma the Younger because yeah. he made mistakes? Right. right. We listened to him because he made mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what we I mean? We can speak from a place that's and when, entirely different yeah. than Right, and otherwise. when we have those experiences, there are certain things I can speak with authority to because I've been down a dark right. road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with mm-hmm. you. Like, you speak to that because, not, 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 you know, Heavenly Father negates it. Like, you literally come from a place of authority because of the things you've gone through. Thank you. So really, we invited you to come speak, but actually, we just wanted Becky to coach you through some <laughs> No, I, 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 like I said, I will take any helpful things that will bring me closer to my potential and to Christ. But yeah, another way that I feel imposter syndrome is like through my photography or creating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many other wonderful photographies right. there, especially moving to Arizona was extremely intimidating because mm-hmm. there are a lot of photographers here and entrepreneurs and I was like, oh, there's no way that I'm going to get one session at all this season. The, my first season here, I, I was so busy. Mm-hmm. I barely made dinner and my house was a complete mess. But I was so grateful for that because I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Because I was able to show my potential and share my talents with others. Right. Um, but then every time I want to go post on my photography account mm-hmm. you know when you log into that account you see other people's and I was like oh hers is so much better never mind I'll just go back to my own personal mm-hmm. account and I never share yeah so it's just I'm in my head right mm-hmm. and I need to get out of it well and that's another way you know going to your question Becky of asking Dorley what does that sound like I would just echo that that a lot of times when I've had that creep in um, it sounds like never mind Mm-hmm. The word is never mind. Oh, interesting. Because I'll have an idea and I'll think about it, and then something will stop me in my tracks of that imposter syndrome type of feeling of like, mm. yeah, but someone else may already be doing it, or it's already, or they're doing it better, or, or this person sure, could do it better, totally. or, or yeah, you've been thinking about this years for years, but somebody else is already executing something that's sim- just any of those dumb thoughts, and then it's an oh, never mind, never mm-hmm. mind. Uh, let me just move on to something else, mm-hmm. and that's nonsense. It's complete nonsense because there, it, it's the abundance mentality that we need to remember. There's room for everyone and everyone sharing in any way. Speaking of photography, we need all people taking pictures. Mm-hmm. We need everyone's style. We need everyone who can capture memories and moments and faces to do that in their way. 
And it doesn't matter if it looks similar to someone else's work or different or super creative or it's not, or it like who even cares. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet I relate to you in understanding that feeling that creeps in that makes you kind of retract back or feel small and go, Oh, never mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's go back then to the question of how do we, how do we overcome this? What have you been working through Mm -hmm. to get past those feelings? Well, it was kind of funny because a couple of weeks ago I was struggling, as you know, Becky, through some of the judgments of some of my family members were telling me that I am a kept wife, Mm -hmm. that I don't have a job, that I don't contribute to society, um, you know, that I just use my husband's wonderful career as my, you know, Mm -hmm. anyhow. So hurtful. Yes, it was very, very hurtful because I strongly believe that my success at home is the only success I ever want to bring Mm -hmm. to Heavenly Father Mm -hmm. at the last days. Mm -hmm. I want to show him that I raised three beautiful, God-fearing, good citizens. That's what I want to show him. I don't, I don't want to show him a degree and I'm, my husband has an amazing degree, so I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying like, that's my degree. I have three degrees right there. Mm -hmm. Um, anyhow, but then, so I was putting myself down and my mom happened to call me and my mother and I have a good relationship, but I'm not the one to call my mom and ask her for advice and sure, you know, and that's okay. We've come to terms with that. And so she just called me out of the complete blue. I was in the middle of having COVID and she said, Dorley, I was going through your photography Instagram and you are so good. And Mm -hmm. I literally stood there with my mouth open and I was like, okay. And she's like, you're so talented. Why don't you post more? Do you know that you haven't posted since November? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, your images, like, you feel like you're there with your images. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're very good, Dorley. Like, you you need to show yourself more. Mm. And I felt that was incredibly inspired, especially coming from my mother, who does not show emotions. Sure. You know, now she does. But like I said, she didn't show emotions before. And so that's a way that I try to overcome those imposter thoughts. I'm trying to block out the noise, trying Mm -hmm. to block out the noise of, the people that are negative in my life, even if it's a family member, I'm, I'm not going to be able to have a relationship with you if you're going to make me feel low. Right. Mm-hmm. And un- as unfortunate as that is, I can't do it at the risk of me being in a ball, in a fetal position, crying when mm-hmm. my kids need me right. because somebody hurt, else hurt my feelings. That's right. I like to equate it to like, and in, in certainly in social media, this happens probably more so than others you're inviting you're inviting you're inviting judgment by opening your life right but if someone came to my front door and walked in it was like your house is stupid and like you're a mess and like said all these hurtful things that sometimes people like say online or say in real life you know Mm -hmm. even with I would kick them out. Like there would not be a situation where I would be like, why don't you join us for dinner? (laughs) But yet we have such a harder time building those kinds of healthy boundaries around real people Mm -hmm. or around social media platforms where no one comes into my house and starts like taking a baseball bat to things. And that applies on Instagram. That applies in real life. That applies to, it applies to anything. Like you're allowed you're allowed to build healthy boundaries where you can demand a certain level of respect. That doesn't mean people are going to agree with you or you can't take criticism or feedback, but it does mean that when it doesn't come from a place of love and you're not moving forward, it's okay to, and I don't say cut people out because I feel like that feels like an action word. I'm going to cut people out, but it's okay to let relationships die a natural death. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay to let it wither and die. Right. And sometimes those healthy boundaries are literally, what save us, but we keep all this like craziness coming into our lives for the sake of like, 
well, I don't want to cut people out. I don't want to like, but really it's okay to let nature right. take its course sometimes. Well, and with I those feel like sometimes it's not Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't cut off this person from my life. I'm here. I am um, leading young women in the church and I'm telling them that families are together forever and we need to be Christ-like and we need to love one another. And then here I have strange relationships mm-hmm. with my family members. Mm-hmm. How am I again? Here I'm being an imposter. Mm-hmm. Um, but to refer to the scriptures again, um, Jesus had, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly what his position in life was, but he, somebody came up to him and said, what do I need to do to follow the kingdom of heaven? And Christ told him, this is what, this is what I need you to do. And he said, well, I'm willing to do that and that, but I can't do that. Right. And Christ said, well, sorry, you know, that's what I need you to do. And then he walked away. Right. And so I kind of think about that often. I know that I need to forgive 70 times seven and I will try my best to do so. But I, Jesus had his boundaries, and it's okay for me to have my boundaries, too. It absolutely And I've is. come to terms with that after 38 years of mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. and I have so much more to go, hopefully. I've come to terms with that. I've also learned to go up to Kevin, my husband, and tell him, I'm not okay today. Mm. And I've never done that before, mm-hmm. which he it's like a whole new territory for him, too. Yeah. He's learning to navigate me being so emotional and having my mental health be questioned. And I tell him, I'm not okay today, Kevin. I'm really sad. And these are the things that are hurting me. Can you help me? And he's 100% there. Or he'll encourage me, why don't you go see your bishop, which is our church leader. And I did a couple weeks ago, and he gave me an incredible blessing. And I was so grateful for that. So I'm learning to vocalize, I'm not okay. Yeah. Whereas before, I never said that before because I felt like I needed to be, I didn't have, before I didn't have time to not be okay. Mm-hmm. My husband was deploying. We were moving every three years. I was raising babies. I was losing babies. I was trying to start businesses so that I can find myself. I was leading in the church. I was teaching. I didn't have time to be okay, to not be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But now I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm tired. I'm 38. I've lost babies. I've had babies. My husband's deployed. I've put him through medical school. Mm. I'm tired. I deserve to not be okay today. Yeah. And so I've told him that and I've told my bishop's dad and stuff and I've never been judged. On Mm -hmm. the contrary, I'll get blessings. I'll get the support that I need from my amazing friends. And and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't scary. I thought it would be scary to admit that I wasn't okay, but it's actually not that bad do you do you find that the feeling of expressing yourself and saying i'm not okay today is a game changer for you oh yeah totally yeah and i'm more honest get what you need yeah when you Mm -hmm. tell people i'm down and out i'm not okay you actually get what you need the question i had to ask you in regards to kevin is how have you seen your relationship with your husband change because you're being fully open and honest so when i was repenting uh we had a family discussion every single night. Every single night we would come back and touch base and say, this is how I felt today. He would say, this is how I felt today because we wanted to keep us together. Mm -hmm. We wanted to keep our marriage strong and our friendship strong. And he is my absolute most best friend in the whole world Mm -hmm. right now. Like he, I, I'm nothing without my savior and I'm nothing without Kevin because he just completes me and we can tell each other everything and we joke around like you can never remarry because your wife will never understand you the way that I understand you like our dumb jokes and references yeah we can say one thing and we totally understand what we're saying like I mean I hope he feels the same way that I do but it has completely brought us so close together and, and, and I love it and I'm so, so grateful for it. And he always says, um, he doesn't believe in, um, what's it called? 
people that are meant to be like yeah, yeah. soulmates. Oh, soulmates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't believe in soulmates. And when he tells that to some people, they look at him cross-eyed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't, I think that, hey, if Becky and I wanted to get married, yeah, okay, we can make it work, mm-hmm. you know? But you have to make it work. Mm-hmm. And he right. doesn't believe that we were destined to be, even though I didn't tell you this, but he served his mission in the Dominican Republic. So I think the Lord wanted us to cross <laughs> yeah. paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... He feels that we have to work really hard at our, mar- at our marriage in order for us to be soulmates, but we want to. Right. We want to work really hard on our great, marriage. I think yeah. that's a great, great point. Mm-hmm. The reason I even asked you that question was I think oftentimes we hold ourselves back in relationships because we have that fraud syndrome. Yeah. Like, if I let people really see the whole me, surely they're going to hate me as much as I might hate myself. And we get into this, like, narrative of, like, if we're fully vulnerable, people are going to see us as a mess. Which is a shame because being able to tolerate the vulnerability discomfort is literally how you forge deeper connection. Mm -hmm. Like when someone asks you, how are you doing? You know, I think as a society, we're starting to get better, but actually saying, I'm actually really struggling today. Yeah, yeah. But even taking it a step further and saying like, I, my brain is telling me some weird things about how bad I suck today. And I'm just trying to process through and, and stay afloat. Like if we could be more honest, because I hear from women all the time, I have friends, but I don't have any close friends. And I started hearing it like historically across a lot of people that I work with. And finally I was like, are you, are you feeling like that person's love of you, that their friendship is somehow counterfeit because you feel like a fraud? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it happens in marriage. If he only knew everything, he would never still love me. But because we do that, we build up these walls and we stop connecting in the way that we could with our spouse or our children or Mm -hmm. our friends. And it is through the very act of vulnerability that we're so afraid of that's going to have people not love us Mm -hmm. that we actually give people a chance to actually love us in a way that we believe, in a way that we think is true. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a bizarre little cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always tell him, like, I hope you never wake up one day and realize, wait a second, I got the short end of the stick here, <laughs> but yeah. I'm a hundred percent sure he's never thought I am. Quite yeah, certain. I know he's not. Quite he, was, certain. he sent me a text message right before we started, just again, encouraging me. And I, I sent him a gif of Wayne's world. I'm not worthy. And I'm just so grateful for him. I, I just love him. And I would do anything for him. If he was in his darkest moments, mm-hmm. I would happily volunteer to be there for him be number one there for him. So that's right. I'm As it should be. As it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for sharing some of these thoughts. Um, what else? What else has helped you to to get past um, actively, like right now? Like mm-hmm. even though you said that you've had these great pivotal moments where you've been able to fi- finally feel free of some of those thoughts as intensely as maybe they were before, you're still going to have those moments. You're still going to feel that imposter syndrome. You're still going to have those weak spots. They will come up. They will for all of us. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. So what's your go forward look like? Mm -hmm. What, what kind of things are you putting in place that help you to be ready and prepared Mm -hmm. when those moments happen? So everybody always has a new word for the new year. And I wasn't planning on doing that. Uh, any, cause I didn't feel inspired, but these last couple of days, I think I'm going to give myself permission. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give myself permission Mm -hmm. to be, to be happy, to have joy, to share that joy. Um, exercise, you know, is a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. I've ran numerous marathons. I've 
done triathlons and continue to take care of my body. And that is one thing that when I'm sad, that goes. Mm. If I'm too sad to run, if I'm too sad, I won't run because that's an hour of me and my thoughts. And so I fear mm-hmm. that time in my right. thoughts. You, you, you want know? to distract yourself away from. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so I don't run. Which is also unfortunate because it literally is the solution to get you totally. biologically like, out of the funk. When right? Reese Witherspoon says endorphins make you happy. Like she was right. Like I finish a run and I never regret it. Because mm-hmm. I know it was something that I did good for my body, and I'm always so happy. And so I'm going to give my per- myself permission to be in my thoughts so that I can go through them and, you know, shuffle the good and the bad, and then also take care of my body. Because if I don't, mm-hmm. then not only am I struggling mentally, but physically I'm going to start struggling. So then there's right. the consequences yep. of that. So I'm just going to give myself permission to to feel what I feel, but then also to overcome that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to beat myself up all the time. Um, or ever. Or ever, yeah. 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 I mean, it's yeah. also yeah. a yeah. thought, yeah. just a thought that yeah. maybe as soon as you feel that initial um, feeling or thought creep in, like there's got to be something that you can, you know, do that helps to just trump it right in that yeah. moment. Yeah. I kind of want to validate this conversation, and I'm sure Becky will echo exactly what I'm about to say. Yes, we're interviewing Dorley, and she has this amazing experience, but... No matter what your view is of Becky or myself, we 100% feel imposter syndrome. We 100% feel worthless at times. Like all these things that Dorley is putting this beautiful articulation to, I don't want you to think it's like, well, we've evolved past it and Dorley's telling her story. Absolutely not. Like no matter how much you know, no matter how much self-awareness you have, these feelings happen. And Mm -hmm. the goal maybe is not okay, I'm never going to feel worthless again. The goal is I have enough self-awareness so that when I do feel that way, I now can call it out and say, oh, I'm feeling imposter syndrome and I think I'm feeling this because of X, Y, and Z, which gives you the tools and ability to move through it and not get stuck in it. Mm -hmm. But it's never about negating it to the point of where like, I just love myself so much, I never have self-doubt. Like, that's that's a lie. That's Mm -hmm. just not the way of this world and this mortal experience. And so for anyone out there who's like, ah, I just want to evolve past this. Like let's think about tools to get through Mm -hmm. enough tools so that we have the courage to withstand the feeling, understand the feeling, name the feeling, and then move through it. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Here's an example of a tool. If we're going to break it down. And this is what I was asking you, what you've been speaking about this whole time, but I mentioned gratitude earlier. Gratitude, as simple as it sounds, is an example of a tool that has helped me. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I have a feeling like that creep in, that's very self-deprecating, I can immediately reach into that toolbox. In other words, I can reach into that thought of like, okay, so I might be feeling a little unworthy or a little imposter syndrome, whatever that fill in the blank of that moment. I am so grateful that I have a place in this world. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that I get to be alive right now where technology allows me to connect with people all over the world. I'm so grateful that I have a family that I get to love and adore every single day. I'm grateful for this body that carries me. You get the point. Mm -hmm. So this this idea of just tapping into everything that I'm grateful for, particularly as Mm -hmm. it pertains to the thing that I'm struggling with in that moment, absolutely helps me out of a Mm -hmm. funk. Is it a cure-all in that moment? Like, no, not usually, but can it be the thing that helps lift me back out of that dark place? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Every single time, yes, it takes me in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. 
And that's what I hope that we're all kind of seeking for is being aware, like we talked about in the beginning, being aware. Self-awareness is 98% of the battle. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, not just, and not just the self-awareness, but the awareness of the bigger picture. Opposition is a part of the picture. Mm -hmm. Opposition is a part of existing. It's a part of being human. You're going to continue to stumble and fall. Sometimes your face will be straight up rubbed around in the mud. That's going to be the human experience. And so knowing that that's just what it is, instead of resisting so much the problems, because we can't, if we... What's oh, the, if only we could all <sighs> control the world with all of our control freak tendencies. Yeah, no. <laughs> what yeah. in the world? We Becky, would all let's talk just about that. How does it work for you when we resist so hard <laughs> oh. against the things that we don't want well, to have happen? I'll tell, tell me about you it. this analogy has been brought up in therapy with me on several occasions. <laughs> it's almost like it's a lesson I need to learn. It's the analogy of standing still in a stream. Like if you're if you're always fighting the current, yeah, you may get somewhere, but you're going to be scraped. You're going to have, you're going to fall. You're going to have all these things where if you can just relax into it a little bit, if you can just go with the flow, if you can relax, take the control out of it and, and, and surrender that control. Hence my, my word for Mm -hmm. 2021 is surrender. Mm -hmm. Your experience will be more lovely. Your experience will be more productive. So you're saying trials will never come again. I wish. Actually, <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't wish, but right. But no, I'm, I'm making the it's point. It's the like, fact of that you have not, to flow right? through it again right. and again, recognizing that the goal is not to not have trials. That's right. stupid. Like that won't work. No matter what your scaffolding is, no matter what your structure is or your, you know, no matter if you're journaling 20 minutes a day and then reading the scriptures and doing all the right things, crap's coming, dude. Like that's just the way of the way of the world. And it's okay. It's totally okay. And you can move through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm curious. Okay. Give us some more tools. What do you do to shut up that inner critic? Um, I also look at my children. Mm. Um, one of the things that I battle is obviously like not having a degree, not having a place and contribution to society. But I look at my children and how I'm molding them. Um, you know, Emma, my middle child, she's an all honor student and she lit- has a little business of her own at the age mm-hmm. of 12 where she does drawings. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. My son, Joey or Kevin, he also has a little business of his own. He came in uh, second and wrestling and he has A's and B's in school. Um, they have opportunities that I never even imagined growing up in New York city. And my little girl, Alyssa, she's overcome. She has anxiety and overcome so many fears. And I see that as my like, I need to live for them, too. I live for myself, but then they're my purpose, mm-hmm. too. So when I feel like I'm an imposter, I think, well, this is how, like, these are my three greatest joys and my three greatest successes in my mm-hmm. life. So how could I possibly have gone wrong where these three amazing humans are standing here? And not only that, but I want my daughter to be confident in the things that she makes. I want her to be confident in her body, in her choices, in herself, so I can't sit here and say, hey, Emma, I'm going to feel sorry for myself today, but you go and be confident. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's mm-hmm. not fair yeah. to her. Her 12-year-old mind can't wrap around it. Right. But I tell her, like I said earlier, my kids know when I fail and they see me fail all the time. As a Latin, it's hard for me to control my temper and they know that I fail constantly. But then they also see me overcome and mm-hmm. I want them to see that. So they motivate me to overcome mm-hmm. as well. And then also I lead the girls at church, you know, they're 11 to 18 years old I want them to be confident in who they are and I can't I can't be in my thoughts too much if I'm trying to get them to get out of their thoughts mm-hmm. so can I add something else sure I'm going to add the principle of phone a friend 
Because as Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm so deeply inspired, you know that you're constantly inspiring me and you don't know it. And you almost probably wouldn't believe it Mm -hmm. because that's just kind of, that's that's your, (laughs) right. Because I know a little bit about the inside of your head and where, where it goes. Um, but the reason I say phone a friend is because we get to sit across the table from each other right now Mm -hmm. and I get to call you out on something. Sure. Okay. So I get to call you out on back a a few minutes ago when you said you don't even feel like you have a place because you don't have a degree and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 which are all these quantifying Mm -hmm. things, right. Or qualifying actually both. And that's where I would get to call you out as a friend and say, are you serious? You're not, you're questioning your contribution to society said with air quotes. Are you kidding me? You're contributing more to society by actually focusing on what happens in the inside of the walls of your home than if you had a nine to five. Mm-hmm. That's just, that is your path. That is your mission. That is your purpose. And it is no better or worse than Becky and what she's doing or me and what I'm doing or totally. Kevin and his career. Mm-hmm. It's it. We are all supposed to be doing something entirely different than everyone else. Everyone has a unique and individual purpose. And so when I say phone a friend, if you really do get into that place of being so full of self-doubt and you have your person, your spouse, best friend, sister-in-law, podcast co-host. <laughs> I will tell you, I have phoned a friend and been like, I'm going to need some gold stars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speak, and I dish them out like speak, it's my she job. She does. Oh, oh, I I, speak I, the gold stars because I seriously awesome. need it to Well, be. and I'll say, Becky, here's your gold star. I'll actually use that lingo because yes. it's kind of that inside oh, joke. That. But but that's what I feel with you, Dorley, as you were saying that. I'm like, okay, I'm a friend right now who can be like, are you serious about mm-hmm. contribution? Which can then just be that one more little drop in the bucket of like, okay, actually my thoughts got a hold of me and mm-hmm. I didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you do have an opportunity that those thoughts creep in and you do have a person, any person, any person that you can reach out to and just verbalize those ugly, dark thoughts just so that the other person can shut it down, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Use that as a tool. I agree. That is a, you're absolutely right because there are days when I'll get a random text message from my friend in Virginia or in mm-hmm. Utah and I'm like, I'm not okay today. And the mm. texts just keep pouring mm. and yeah. I'm like, okay guys, <laughs> but it's, you're absolutely right. Well, yes. and let's not, let's not let that pass by without recognizing that's God. Mm-hmm. That is how God works Yep. is, is he uses other people at times when we may not have ears to hear, which nice things about ourselves. Let's just say it often. We don't have ears to hear and we need it told to us by other people. Mm -hmm. And so let's not put those limitations on God and let's call out like, that's really cool that all that happened on the day I wasn't okay because that was my heavenly father speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Another thought that came up is there is, you know, depending on who you talk to that it takes five positive thoughts to cancel out one negative. And depending on who you listen to, it can be as high as eight. I think it's the highest I've heard eight positive for one negative. If we could all be a little bit better about dishing out the positive thoughts. If we could all contribute to the five, like let's that. be, let's be one of the five mm-hmm. always and forever assume everyone's going through something cause they are mm-hmm. and just make sure that we're voicing those positive thoughts so that we can start to put drops in other people's buckets. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, as you vocalize nice things about other people, you start to internalize and recognize those things in yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful cyclical, <laughs> haven't used that word in a few episodes, pretty excited about that. It's this beautiful cyclical experience where everyone is contributing to, mm-hmm. yep. um, to kind of the betterment of society and like our collective frame of mind. And that has a deep impact on us individually. Mm-hmm. We need more Thank of you. that. And we need more of your light. 
more of your light, Dorley, more of your light, dear listener. We need more of your light. And so when those negative self-deprecating thoughts enter in, just remember that if you fall into that and you're, you're hiding that light, then we don't get what is already inside of you that is meant to be shared. Mm-hmm. And I know you know that, Dorley. That's why, mm-hmm. you're, that's why you're speaking about this today. That's why you're here. That's why we wanted to amplify your message about it because you know it. You mm-hmm. feel the truth in that. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful for everything that you've shared. You've been Thank so you. prayerful and thoughtful about what you might share. And, and vulnerable. I have, yes, very I appreciate vulnerable. people that are willing to tolerate the discomfort of speaking their ugly yeah. so mm-hmm. that other people can benefit and knowing they're not alone and, and finding a path Thank forward. You. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Where, could, where do people find you and connect oh. with you? Because that's going to happen. Okay. Well, um, my personal Instagram is Dorley M. Weiniger, which Becky can spell out. It's a mm-hmm. mouthful. Well, and it's and all going to be we'll linked link in the show notes yeah. okay, as well. Yeah. And then my photography one is Dorley Weiniger Photography. Mm-hmm. Both accounts are going to bring you great joy. Thank yes, you. they will. Appreciate you and you're going to so double much. tap on every picture you see of Dorley and Kevin together. Yes. <laughs> yes. You get to see Kevin's dancing. He's such a scroller. He just he doesn't have any accounts. He uses my login to yeah. see what other people are doing. That's so fun. So it's fine. It's better this way. Yes. <laughs> it's good. Well, we're so grateful to you. Thank you Thank for you. shining your light. Appreciate and for you guys. Contributing to this, this conversation is always so important. And what you add was exactly what we needed from you specifically. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Thank you. thank you for that. And friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, act on them. We love you. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye guys. I'm curious if you sing. Do you have a singing voice? No. Or- <laughs> I like don't even believe it. Oh, no. It is chickens. Like, I just look at the notes. If it goes high, I go high. If it goes low, I go low. And then I, like, pick up what other people are doing, and then that's it. So you're the I type of person it. that in a choir, you're like, I actually sound really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Because I'm just getting their vibrations. And then yes. when they're not there, I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I can't do this alone. Um, so you're true. saying you do sing in the choir. I have. Oh, or yeah, for past, sure. As a frog. See? As a fraud. <laughs> I am a fraudulent choir member. Yes. Dorley, say this. You're going to say these three words together, but say them together fast. Rise. Oh. Up. Lights. Rise up lights. <gasps> that's it. Did I sound the shit? No, I looked it up. Rise that's up what lights. it said. Rise up lights. Say it's rise up lights. Razor blades. Razor in. blades. Oh, rise up lights. Oh, no. Again, rise, rise up, up lights. Oh, <laughs> I hear it now. Okay, wow. rise up lights. We laugh every time. That is so cool. I mean, it's not even that funny, but to me, you think you're saying rise up lights. Rise up tricky, lights. Tricky, oh, tricky, tricky. Is that the same one you Google? Yes, that and that is the same one. Lights. There's got to be more. Wow, oh, that's cool. Makes me so happy. All right, my I'm kids are going to so love that. I'm so glad I remembered. Mm-hmm. Oh.